Hello and welcome to another episode of the Copcast podcast. Uh, we're coming to you after Rangers get absolutely walloped um, and Arsenal looks like quite good. I have been saying it, lads, <laughs> just, just, just while we're here, you know. Um, you love it. You're around it. You love it. Listen, I see, I, 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 what can I tell you? I, I know a good I thing. Told you I, so. I know a good thing when I see one. That's all I'm saying. Uh, all I'm saying. <laughs> so, so yeah. You're gonna um, stop clocks right, right twice a day, you know. Yeah, well, that is true. That is true. Um, even a blind squirrel finds you on acorn. Um, yeah. So I've got Neil Patterson, Jay Reid, and Andy Bell all here to abuse me um, for being an AFTV super fan. Um, so yeah. Let's just get stuck into it then. Jay, um, let's just start with Arsenal. We had a bit of a ding-dong back and forward as to like what, what, what sort of performance the Arsenal performance actually was. I didn't think we were very good, if I'll be really honest with you. I think Arsenal controlled large parts of the game. I think they... They were much, much better in and around our penalty area than we were in and around theirs. We tried to play counter-attacking football a little bit, which was fine, but we didn't defend our own penalty area well enough. I think I saw a statistic the last time a team had as many touches in our box as that was Man City in 2019. So to me, that tells a tale in itself. And we'll come on to talk about We'll, well, talk about, argue about potentially like Nunez, Firmino, Salah, whatever. And that's a big debate going on at the minute. But actually, that's not the issue because we don't have a problem sticking the ball in the net these days. It's keeping them out at the other end. Yeah, I don't think, you know, no one's denying the, the facts that we shit at the back and something doesn't seem right. And... <clears throat> I've been saying for a few weeks that we were missing a certain Frenchman at the back. And yes, you can caveat Rangers are poor, but we did look a little bit more solid last night. And even Andy's famed finish, Joe Gomez, looked decent <laughs> again, or caveat with Rangers. But I think, you know, he's we also we, not finished. He's English, Jim. Hey, we used that joke last night, Andy. <laughs> ah, no. Uh, but uh, yeah, you, you just lost me there. But. Um, I think it was, we all know, we just need to get back to basics. And had we kept a clean sheet last night, it would have been, you know, a, a little cherry on top of a, you know, a little dinky cake of beating Rangers. But going back to Arsenal, you can't, again, start games 1-0 down and we keep doing it, we keep doing it. And, you know, it's costing us, it's handicapping us, however you want to describe it. But I think for the large majority of that match, especially, like, when we got back into it, I think it was after, what, 16, 20 minutes or something like that. I can't quite remember off the top of my head. But I thought we were pretty good. I thought we were we held them at arm's length. We kept them in possession. If you can hear tapping at the background, it's the dog trying to find somewhere to sit. Um, and I thought we were we were pretty well, although we didn't, you know, create a whole host of chances. The goals we gave away were due to our own mistakes. Like, First minute of the half, last minute of the half, and then a very soft penalty. So, you know, if the VAR officials doing the job correctly, if you know we have a bit of competency in just 
keeping you know head straight at the beginning of the game and the end of the half. I think we walk out that game winners. I I don't know what you all think, but I I think it was not a fair reflection. If it was a draw at the end of the day, and I've said it before, I thought we were we were good for the draw, especially at Arsenal, given the performances we've been putting in. I thought we would have been one to that really. And my apologies again. The Ducks decided they want to be an elephant. <laughs> Yeah, um, Chief. I do you know what, Chief? Just go for it. Just go for it. Let's have let's have the ref rant because I know you love it so much. But yeah, it was it was poor from supposedly England's best referee. It was, um, and I'm like, I was kind of reluctant to let that mask what I felt were massive deficiencies in our performance, but. You do have a point when you say that it cost us one, if not three points, Oliver, that, that Sunday afternoon. Yeah, well, that was my interpretation at the time because the the speed to give the, the final penalty, which is dubious to say the least, um, with reference to what Gabriel didn't get punished for in the, in the first half with the handball, which is pretty much clear as day, um, was was baffling, really, because, you know, if you're not going to give one, don't give the other different incidents, but there's no way. I, I barely see the contact, to be honest. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure we had a similar one in the game as well, and, and it got way at the way. So I thought the, the referee and performance, basically we lost out on, on two massive calls, and for them both to go against you is, is you know, pretty hard to take, I suppose. But, you know, I'd agree with you. There were deficiencies, obviously, in, in our performance. We haven't, you know, we haven't been putting in the performances that we'd expect to. And I thought against, I would agree with Jay that for large part of the first half, um, after we conceded, we, we controlled the game. And it only looked like... Um, if any team was going to go in ahead at halftime, it looked like it would be us. And to throw away a goal like that on the break from our own free kick, not not take a, a free kick. Um, I don't know who it was, whether it was Thiago, I can't quite remember now, but somebody had a hold of the first lad right at the beginning of the move and, and let him pass. And and to not be able to recover uh, there is, is pretty criminal to lose a goal in that fashion. And yeah, just to reference what Jay said, we've conceded a goal in the first first couple of minutes again um so again it's it's teams are targeting that and arsenal are starting fast yeah and it, you know let's not forget arsenal put in a i would say their their best performance of the season and um you know ultimately probably a draw would have been a fair result but to lose the game on a penalty as soft as that especially when you've been denied what what looked like a stonewaller and even though the handball rule is pretty difficult to understand, I mean, um, his hand was out. It was not in the natural silhouette of his body. It hit the bottom half of his hand. He's For me, he's not right up against the ball. And even if he is, that, that doesn't really come into the reckoning, I don't think. Yeah, see, there's one shortly afterwards at the other end of the pitch where Diaz is on the edge of the box. And it kind of pops up, ricochets up and hits him on the and arm. it gets given, doesn't it? A free kick immediately given. And, yeah. I, like, I just don't understand why why one 
is a penalty, why one is a foul and the other is not a foul? Is it because one's in the box and one isn't? I can maybe understand why Oliver couldn't, you know, categorically see the penalty decision. But surely, surely the VAR has got to be saying, Listen, Michael, you might just want to go over and have another peek at that. Why is he not? Yeah, why is he not being sent to the monitor? Bar doesn't have to give the penalty straight away. It's just like, go and have a look, see what you think. It definitely hits his hand. His hand's definitely out, but you you might think it's too close. Go and go and have a look. But, Do you think we're at the point now with that that I know they're talking all this shit about um, what is it, the low bar or whatever whatever it is they're they're saying, but threshold, higher threshold for fun. yeah, whatever it is. But do you think we're at the point where it's almost like because like 99% of the time the ref gets sent to the monitor, it gets overturned. Is it almost like if the VAR sends them to the monitor, it's almost like they're given the decision because of that? And is that maybe why? Well, that's the, ref, that's, that's the fault of the PGMOL, nobody else. You know, they're the ones implementing the rules. They're the ones, you know, officiating each other, essentially. Yeah, you love them. They're the ones that, that never face any questions and never have to explain themselves, um, which, again, leaves it wide open to to corruption, essentially. Like, you know, you don't want to use the word, but essentially it just leaves it wide open to that. So it's, you know, it, it, it's it's pretty galling um, that, you know, they're not sent to the monitor. It's more galling that haven't worked out how to fucking use the, the system well without, you know, putting those pressures on because there was an incident a couple of weeks ago where and I know it is an exception but where the ref um, stuck with his original decision I think it was in a Bournemouth game I'm not quite sure maybe Bournemouth against Leeds anyway Oliver was the first ref to do it last season I think where he stuck to his original decision yeah I think there's only been like you could probably count on one hand where the yeah, ref stuck to it, but it does feel, and Andy will probably know this more than anyone, like the headmaster summoned you to the office, so you already know you're in for the telling off. So you just go there and accept whatever's coming, and that's the sort yeah, as, of impression. As, that, as the, Dave the, knows, I've got that issue as a teacher tomorrow, not a fucking student. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's the sort of impression it gives you, doesn't it, with it's this, like the VAR fella, but, you know, the VAR fella hides, doesn't he? They're all professionals. Do you know what and I mean? And we must throw in as well, just coming into the weekend, we've got the same clown on VAR as we had at Arsenal as well. Brilliant. And then and we've got Wevin Shaw's Anthony Taylor. Yeah. yeah. And Nolan Liam are doing the linesman as well. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I get it. It's very, very frustrating. Andy, I am not going to lie. I thought going in to that game, um, given Arsenal an extra body in midfield with that 4-2-3-1 formation was absolutely mad. And I know Klopp has said that, oh, you know, formations aren't really fixed and whatever, but I just felt like when we were under pressure, um, we just lacked enough, basically lacked enough bodies that had a natural defensive instinct in order to position themselves properly, apply pressure when it needs to be applied, be sensible um, with when they were picking up men, when they were tracking men's runs. And it it just, for a game like that, it's just smacked of desperation and unnecessarily unnecessary experimentation for me 
um, where it was like, do you know what? We've tried everything and nothing's working. We might as well just have a have a have a bash at this, and it worked against a fairly below average Rangers side where we scored two set piece goals the midweek before, and we go into this game and it works for for periods of the game, but you know, I just I just feel like everything's a little bit desperate at the minute. Yeah, there was no sort of control or no method for which we could stop the wave of Arsenal's counter-attacking. But we weren't doing that with 4-3-3 anyway. I don't think we looked any less in control than we did before 3-3. So I was I was pro the decision to stick with the formation because, you know, we, we, we had nothing to lose. We were losing these games back, uh, you know, earlier in the season. We were getting bad results. We might as well have given it a go. And the worst thing is that you lose again. And that that's what happened. There's some particularly awful just it's defending but it's more than defending it's the whole team it's a it's a it's a collective malaise i think you know the third goal is probably the case in point um that's the one sorry the second goal where everyone goes up for the free kick and they break and they just just have loads and loads of space and it, it sort of felt like every time the ball ricocheted somewhere it would land an arsenal player but not only would it do that because that can be a bit of luck it would land an arsenal player in 30 yards of space and that's something you never saw from liverpool last season so I, I don't know what it is. I don't think it's a formation thing. I don't think it's an individual player thing. And obviously, like we've all debated at length the the Nunez situation. Some of us think he's played well. Others of us think you know he, he should be offering a lot more for the the price tag. But at the end of the day, there's a, a hell of a lot of players in that team who stink the place out when the team's stinking the place out. And we're talking like the best of the best here. Mo Salah, when the team's not playing well, doesn't play well. Trent Alexander-Arnold is the exact same. You look back at the, the COVID season, you know, when we were going through those horrific results, there were, there were no good individual performances. And, you know, it wasn't like Salah was doing the business and everyone else around him. So it's harsh to judge Nunez off that because you're asking him to, to do things that, that our best, literally our best players aren't doing. Um, I think the only real player that does that is Diaz. Like, Diaz is almost Gerard-esque in his ability to wrangle a match and turn it in our favor or do something out of nowhere which can completely turn the tide of the emotions and like it's <laughs> and we've lost him as of as of what yeah not even half time there it's so. very it's it's very opposite to Salah whereas when it's not even, I don't even think it's that Salah hasn't been playing well he's just not involved yeah. Whereas on the other side, Diaz is completely the opposite. He is doing everything he can to get on the ball and try and make something happen. And I don't know whether that's... You could argue that he's abandoning position there and maybe upsetting the structure and Salah's being a bit more disciplined. Or or you could argue the other way around where it's just a bit more desire and, and you know, fight if you want to do the whole Roy King thing. Yeah, I, I I don't buy I don't buy the whole Roy Keane thing. Like I, I really don't think they go for mentality monsters on a team that was able to go again and again and again last season from January right to May to a team that has just lost all their hunger and desire. I don't buy it at all. And like you know, if you take up sort of any physical activity, if you take up running and you decide right all of a sudden I'm going to go running three times a week, you can't give a hundred percent in every run. You can't push yourself your body to its maximum in every run. Your mind, your natural defensive mechanism of your brain will stop you from putting yourself through that pain you know three times a week and Liverpool put themselves through that pain and went again and went again and went again 
every possible game last season from January through to May. And people will see this this point as letting them off the hook. It's, I mean, it's not letting off the hook. They're not listening. It's just a genuine explanation. Something, I think this team, if, if they're going to put in what they need to put in to match this juggernaut of a Man City team, then unfortunately they might just need a season off after it because it's literally not possible to compete with that season in, season out. Um, you know, you look at that third goal, the, the, the amount of times, and I, I talk about Roy Keane, this is very sort of Sunday league, Irish league football, the amount of times you just have to put her boot through it, clear your lines, if in doubt, get it out. And, the, the, you know, Van Dyke's doing stupid things, Matip's doing stupid things, Fabinho's doing stupid things, Thiago's doing stupid things. And when you're absolutely done in and spent mentally and physically, you do stupid things, you overthink it, you you get the yips as the, 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 the golfing term is. And just everything about it looks like legs have gone, people are knackered, and people just haven't been able to gee themselves up for this season after after last season. And it's understandable, to be honest, in extent. Yeah, I can get that. Um, Jay. Oh, look, there has been... It's there, newness, there, isn't it? No, no, no. We'll, <laughs> not do, we'll not do them yet. We'll not do them yet. I... I I feel there's two players who've probably gone under the radar here. Um, I'll leave Costas for Andy, just for crack. Um, <laughs> but on you know on a on a positive note, um, Jota and Firmino, I think, have been two real bright sparks, and everybody's talking about our issues, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But for me. Jota coming back in is massive, especially with Diaz being out now. Firmino's form. Like, at the minute, he is our biggest goal threat. There's just no doubt about it in my mind. Um, and I almost feel like we need to do something, to just do something safe, do something pragmatic, stick to things that we know. And maybe it is just a Jota, Firmino, Salah, front three, with Firmino doing his lovely little bits and pieces, dropping in the midfield, outnumbering them and trying to get back to the things that we know how to do the best, given the issues that we've got. I don't know what you think about that. Are you referring to this for Sunday or just for going forward? I just mean in, I just mean in general, until we can kind of get, get our groove back again. Because I do agree with Andy. I think that maybe heads have fallen off a little bit, and whether that is down to fatigue, mental fatigue, physical fatigue, I just maybe just general fitness Um I don't know, but I think we need something, uh, just just something safe and familiar in order for us to try and find ourselves or re-find ourselves. Uh, I, I can see where you're you just from. Have, or you just want to go just bang the four lads up front and go and see what happens. See, see it's, not, it's not always necessarily a four-man up front. For me, this is like a thing like, Simpletons who, who watch football and just see four attackers on the pitch just think oh, we've gone we've gone mental and gone four strikers. But if you actually watch the game from a tactical point of view, especially last night, and I know it again, you, it, it's a small sample size, but like the lineup would have presented itself as maybe um, Carvalho, Elliot, Nunes. And Bobby as like a from four or a four two three one, however you want to sort of you know line it up on a piece of paper. But in possession, it's one thing. Out of possession, it's another thing. It's sort of a four four two at times. And I think you know even at times we have. Yeah, been I always thought. Of... I almost thought last night was more 
almost more of like a, the four two two two. Yeah, but I think it it depends. Yeah, it depends how you how you position your players. But I think it's the four four two in sort of having like nominal sort of right sided and left sided midfielders. We we've done that with Salah and Diaz at times, and I think Salah is whether it's by instruction, whether it's just by something else. He's took the right side of midfield and grow overly serious and decided that he wants to have white boots and just stay on the touchline where we actually seen last night. If you bring him inside, he's deadly. Um, I think at the moment, yeah, you're, you're right in saying Bobby does look the most goal-threatening of us, but then I think if we just got Joss at the goal last night or Joss at the goal against Arsenal, that sparks him because we all know he's a, he's a brilliant player, but he's a streaky player where... If he scores one, he tends to go on a run of like seven or eight games, and that would have been nice going into the weekend or going into the last eight games. I think we got before the World Cup or something crazy like that. Um, so I, I can see your point, but I think if we we are sort of veering away from the the traditional four three three because the midfield centrally has not been functioning one way or another. If we can sort of have a compact four four two or However, four two two two, whatever you want to label it as, I wouldn't be against that. And if you sort of play Firmino off a striker, Jota is going to be required to be from the left hand side now because Carvalho had moments last night, but I think he was largely ineffective for me. So you're going to have to deploy him out there, and I think you've just got to sort of get through the situation that we've got. And I agree with what Andy was saying, like. Losing Diaz is, at the moment, the way we've been playing is like a Gerard effect in terms of it did look at times like he was a one-man carry in this team. So we've got to figure a way out, but we can't keep milking the same cow and we've got to be careful with Bobby because we all know sometimes he can be brilliant and like have these moments like he did in the last week or so, but also he can have large games where he's largely ineffective and anonymous and it's the old horses for courses cliche. We, we've just got to manage them, but I do think the weekend's game coming up, which we'll get to, is is probably a course for him to to really get on top of because track records there, he can do it. Yeah, um, Chief, the game against Rangers, it's it's a it's a bit Bournemouth, really, isn't it? Um, it's just a bit, it's just a bit mad. I, I like. It almost looked to me like there would have been times last season where you get the 3-1 and that's it. You just manage the game out. You know, really as simple as that. The same against Bournemouth. You maybe get 3-4-0 and you just manage the game out. But it's almost like, to me, the team are... I nearly think they're so self-conscious that they're, they're keeping going and keeping going almost to try and convince themselves that they still have this in them? I don't think it's necessarily convincing themselves. I think it's just trying to find their, their groove. Of course, they know more than more than anyone how, you know, how disappointed, how disappointing they've been. And, you know, we're disappointed, but it'll be nothing compared to how they feel. They know they're, you know, as, as has been referenced before, they're, you know, inches away from from winning everything last season, and you know the way the final day of the league transpires is a bit of a kick in the guts. And 
especially with it being a you know a, a mad comeback from City. Um, and obviously the Champions League final left a sour taste for for different reasons, you know, obviously on the pitch, but also off the pitch. It's left a, a scar. So it's it it doesn't surprise me that they carried on. It surprised me how it all, you know, how how um ruthless we were. I mean, that's a, a always been an issue, even when we were at our best with this with this clock team. We have been profligate in front of goal. We have, you know, seen games out rather than extending ourselves and, and you know, goal difference has always been better on the you know, on the, the blue half of of this battle. Um but for I think, you know, it also has something to do with with the nature of how the game actually panned out. What I mean is like the, the substitutes coming on, the five subs and stuff. You know, we get that three one just as, as Darwin's about to be hooked. And in fact that's his last kick. Um and it's a you know fabulous way to sign off. Um but then Salah comes on and you know he he was left out of the starting lineup. He was um taken off early against Arsenal. Um you know, you might say with with you know an eye on on uh, the Champions League game, but then he didn't start there either. So he had a point to prove, certainly in his own head, and he came on and was electric, like, and it's good to see because he's not been anything like that this season. Um, and you're talking about a player who this time last year you were saying, without even blinking, that he was the best in the world. And nobody looking at this at the start of this season would have him in that category at all. So, you know, I think as somebody mentioned it earlier, and I can't quite remember who that he hasn't really been involved. But I think it was you, Dave. But he sort of has been involved. It's just that everything he's been doing has been breaking down. His touch hasn't been right. He's been he's not been able to to take players on and get past them. He's been crowded out. It's been mentioned that he's been staying wide, but um, you know he's not having any joy there. Basically, is the point. So, and then his finishing's been off. Uh, so pretty much everything's broken down for him. Um, he's managed to keep going in the Champions League, and he's got a couple of penalties as well. And I think he's actually our top scorer again at the moment after that uh, hat trick last night. But in in all comps, but yeah, him with nine, Firmino with eight. Yeah. But, um, you know, that was very, very welcome. And I'm glad we continued because it worked out pretty much perfectly. I mean, Darwin gets the the goal that, that, you know, effectively ends the tie as a contest. And then he gets hooked. Salah comes on, scores a, an absolutely magnificent hat-trick and gets the record for the fastest hat-trick in the Champions League. And, Just on uh, that, Keith, I heard a really, heard a really nice stat today on Guardian podcast. That, the tiny, uh, yeah, his hat trick was five seconds quicker than Elton John's tiny dancer. Yeah, uh, yeah, I thought that was fun. Yeah, that's it. Like, so you know, he, we all have a record, and Mo more than more than any. So you know, he'd be he'd be chuffed and he'd be full of confidence now going into the weekend, and we need that. We need both Salah firing all cylinders, and you know, we've taken it for, we've taken it for granted because he's been a constant for the last 
what is it, four seasons, five seasons, 30 five goals seasons. a season. Yeah, 30 plus goals a season, every season, 20 plus goals in the league every season. And when he's not when he's not sticking the ball in the net, you miss him. So I'm glad he's he's back on form. And you know, just on what you were asking Jay earlier, I'd I'd play the four. Um I think we're sort of committing to this now and we don't have the options in midfield to dominate the midfield with three as we have been doing. So I think if you buy a centre forward like that, you're gonna play in it in a different way. And I think we 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 should commit to that now um, and just go with it. You know, you've got Jada, you've got Firmino, you've got Salah, and you've got um, Darwin there. You may as well use them, um, and it just gives us, you know, particularly against City, it gives us that threat in behind. It means that they have to be be wary going the other way, and they are the actual they're the kind of team that actually will suit Nunes because um, he'll have the space in behind to run into. If he times his runs right, and they're very open to the counter attack, as Newcastle and uh, Palace have proved this season, so I definitely go with it for for City. Yeah, Andy, why do you hit the left back so much? Um, right, I don't hit the left back. I exaggerate for comedic effect in the chat. Right, I think he's a really good backup left back. Probably, you know, we're probably not going to do better than him, but. What winds me up is that people have got so used to Robertson and the things that Robertson does and the intelligence of Andy Robertson that when he's slightly off his game for a couple of months, people actually make an argument that Costa Simigas should be starting ahead of him on merit. That is outrageous. Like, I'm sorry. The difference in intelligence between those two players is 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 unbelievable. Costa Simigas has a decent cross on him. Right, he's got a good delivery. We see it for the first goal last night. He puts it right onto Firmino's head. Obviously, a corner they've worked on, no problem at all. You know, his, his first game at Anfield, I think it's against Burnley, where he has to come in and he starts that season really well. Decent cross into the box, but because he knows he's got a decent cross on him, every single time the ball sets up nicely for him, he crosses the ball. You, if you watch Robertson, Robertson is very clearly a player who's played for Klopp for what four, five, six years now. He knows exactly when it's it's time to turn inside and give it to the centre mids and keep building up. He knows exactly when to get to the byline. He knows exactly when to whip a cross in. And yes, of course, he's played pretty much every football match available to him, as well as World Cup qualifiers for Scotland and playoff semi-finals. And yes, his legs, you know, are are not quite what they used to be in the current moment because because he's played so much football and he does need a rest from time to time. And Simicas can come in and do a really really good job. I think he's a really good backup left back. He's just nowhere near the intelligence or the football and ability of Andy Robertson. And I think you see that last night. Um, it's a real Alberto Moreno-esque performance. And everyone's getting on to it and everyone's saying that on Twitter. Whereas I've sort of noticed that for for quite a while now. Um, infuriates me when I have to watch him for an extended period of time. But if you look across the league at backup fullbacks, there probably wouldn't be there's probably no backup fullback in the world that wouldn't infuriate me if I had to watch him for a period of time. It just upsets me that people people genuinely think he's you know he's he's a, he should be starting games over Robertson on merit. Um and, and that's my only issue with him. Okay. Right Jay, let's get into it. Let's do the big lad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So let's try and keep it civilized, will we? Um, <laughs> so look, my take is 
that I resemble Steve Bruce. <laughs> At least he doesn't look like Steve Bruce. <laughs> do, you, do you have a fully do you have a fully formed take? No, I, yes, I, he does, but he's gonna let me fucking say all his words for him so he looks neutral, <laughs> like he did with Quebec all those years ago. He hated as much as me. Right here's right here. My take is from what I've seen is I don't think there's any doubt that the guys want to score goals. I don't think there was really any ever any doubt about that. One thing I do really like about him, I think his movement is absolutely top top end, like like world world class movement. He's got the pace, he's got the power, you know, when he's moving around the pitch, you know, I get Fernando Torres vibes coming off from left, right and centre. But I think he might not be very good at, like, kicking the ball about the pitch to his mates and things like that. Um, I think his hold-up play occasionally is very good, but often is scrappy and loose. Um I, I I don't think he links to play particularly well. I don't think he when he runs the channels. I don't see a lot of output coming from there. I think he's yeah, people use the term raw. I just think he's untidy. To be perfectly honest with you, and I made a comparison earlier on the group with um, when I was talking to Chief Pippo and Zaki was one of the greatest goal scorers of all time. Like I think. Certainly in the top 10, if not the top five, like Champions League goal scores. Um, and he knew where the net was. But <laughs> apparently he was absolutely shite at football. Apparently the other Milan players used to constantly laugh at him and take the piss out of him when they were doing rondos and stuff in training because he was that bad. But they had no hesitation in just popping it over to him when he was in the box because they knew he would stick it away. So I don't know. Is there a problem with that? I, I that's that, what we've been crying out for for years. Everyone has said, no matter what your situation is with who you love, we need a number nine. Okay. At some okay. point over the last few years, everybody has said it. Okay. And if you haven't, you're lying to yourself. I think. No, no, that's fine. Do you agree or disagree with my assessment there? I agree on the fact that he looks very untidy. To me, sometimes. He looks two things. He looks over anxious and sort of too excited to be impressive. And I think we all sort of got on a Nunes bandwagon straight away after the Community Shield and the Fulham game when he come on and scored a couple of goals across them two games. And we thought, right, this is it. It's Nunes versus Haaland. And, you know, they couldn't have gone in two different more directions, those two trains. But the situation with obviously sending off on his first home appearance and I think he's putting himself under too much pressure and I think he will settle down. He does look like a lad who knows what to do in his head and his feet are just not catching up in terms of he's sort of like panicking and everything sort of looks rushed and scruffy. There's no way we've spent that amount of money on a player who's not decent. Like There's just no way. So he's obviously got something there. Um, I like his running the channels. I think it's something we've not had for a while. You can argue, well, is there any end product? Well, if you look at last night, we isolated the poor lad up there. We were we were so far away from him at times, or we were lumping balls into him at chest height and asking him to do something with it. And he's got two grocks kicking his ass up in the air. Then there's not a lot you can do with that. Um, 
we have got to adjust to him in terms of the way he plays and he's got to adjust to us in the way that we play so there's got to be some sort of compromise and that's not going to happen overnight it will come with games you've got to take the rough with the smooth um so i don't think it's all bad you know i posted something this afternoon that he's played 430 minutes and got four goals and gabby's who's played 828 and got five and one's labeled a flop and the other is labeled one of the signs of the season so you know his minister goal ratio isn't that bad he does know where the back of the net is we all seen it for benfica last year so there's something there i think people were very quick to jump on his back because he's not come in and not being the fernando torres that maybe the youtube clip sort of suggested and he's got glimpses of what fernando torres did but he came in at a time when we were absolutely shite and him and gerard were the only two shining lights at times in that team and this lad's coming into a team four stars and he's probably trying to live up to the expectation of the price tag and the performances that we gave last year. We we were in everything. We, we could have cleaned the board. So he's putting himself under a lot of pressure. Once it settles down, I think he will absolutely be fine. It might take a year, but we've signed him on a stupid length of like six or something year contract. There's, yeah, no way, there's no way we're just going to spunk that type of money and that type of contract on a dud. Like, you've just got to take the time with him. It, it will work. And I think we, we all know, we've said it multiple podcasts throughout the whole season, something is not right in this team. So you're throwing this lad in who doesn't speak English, new league, young kid, new style of play, new team. The whole thing has got to be caveated. He's not a Minamino who we just knew really did not fit at all into this team we know we can play to this lad's strengths we, he's got something there and i think i said this afternoon if it if he's something like you said people wins are yeah i used Ru van nistelrooy who at times looked on the periphery of games but he just hung around the box and put the ball in the back of the net maybe that's a bit more erling Haaland at the moment but if that's what darwin nunez turns out for us to be something that we've wanted for years just a lad to stand within the the goal posts of the goal in the penalty box and took it away that's fine by me because one thing he's really impressed me with is whenever he gets in the box he gets a shot off i think it was four shots on target against rangers last week at home i think he had two or three maybe last night i could be wrong with that i don't know the exact numbers but he's not afraid of having a pop of goal and as they say if you don't buy a ticket you don't win the raffle so the more he the more he shoots the more goals are eventually going to come and once he settles down last night that finish put it calmly past the goalie, didn't strike it as hard as he could, which he has been doing. I think it's starting to slowly work with them. So if you're writing them off, which you know a couple of people have done, it's it's a bit early to be doing that. There's there's a lot of time with this kid, so just give him it. Yeah, listen, Chief, you know, I'm absolutely not writing them off. That that's not what I'm doing here. I think I'm not either, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 just get that in there. I think what I'm just, I'm just a bit worried. I'm just a bit concerned. It's a big investment in this guy. And maybe it's just the fact that it's been so long since we've seen Liverpool sign an attacking player and it hasn't come in and just worked right away. In fact, not only that, they've come into this team and just immediately gone up a level. You know, Jota, Salah, Mane, Diaz. They've all just rocked in there and went, bang, I'm now world class. Now... I 
I'm interested. You really like them, and and I'm yeah. I'm just interested to know. Do you have any concerns at all? Um, and what is it you see, and that makes you absolutely convinced that this guy is gonna is gonna do the business? You're on mute, Chief. I don't have any uh, long-term concerns or or even medium-term ones. I mean, I think it's a mixture of all the things Jay mentioned there. I mean, I think he is definitely scruffy, and there are elements of his game that he needs to work on and link up play and and passing essentially um, are you know are aspects of that or are areas that that need work, but you know. He's two years younger than than Torres was when we signed him, and he's making he's made a bigger jump. He's come from obviously from Portugal rather than from La Liga, um, but he knows he knows where the goal is. He's you mentioned it. He's got all the attributes. Um, you know he he has everything. He's he's quick. He's tall. He's good in the air. He's he's good with both feet. Um. He's got an eye for goal. He's aggressive. Um, so his movement, his movement, he's definitely aggressive, isn't he? He is. <laughs> so like, I mean, he's he's got that in him, and the best strikers do. And obviously, he'll have to, you know, he'll, he'll have been told, and he'll he'll whine, you know, he won't do anything foolish. Um, but you're not going to shove him off the ball, and you know. He's always going to be front and center when there's when there's RG Bardley like, but um, you know he, he, it's 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 to be expected, um, and a lot of the best the best uh, players have that. So as long as that's channeled in the right way, which I'm sure it will be, there are only good things ahead. As Jay said, we, we've done the research. We haven't spent this money on on someone who's not going to make it. Um, he looks like he's got the right attitude. There's no doubt, no question. His professionalism, his willingness to learn, his happiness to be there. Um, and I think the, you know, a lot of the scruffiness comes with with nerves, with with that not being settled, not being confident, not having established yourself, perhaps still kind of pinching yourself that you're there. Um, but the goal was. You know, calmness personified. It was it was a fabulous finish. Calmly stroked in. Uh, McGregor no chance. First time finish as well. Lovely. We link up with Bobby, and um, it's on, that's only going to do him good. And essentially, essentially, it's the clincher as I mentioned earlier. That's the one that ends it. And Rangers cave in from there. Salah comes on, and six minutes later, it's six one. Um, so that's that's. An important goal there as well. Um, so I, I just think that once he settles and once he realizes, I mean, it's referenced many times that um, Torres kind of had this thing where he arrived in, in the league and it took him about five games to work out that he, he was better than pretty much everyone there. And the, the sort of this is it moment. And, you know, it'll, it'll happen for Darwin as well. Um, I think he has more, perhaps more to his all-round game actually than than a Haaland. Although there's no point in, in sort of comparing them, but um, 
I I agree with Jay. We want someone to stick the ball in the net, and you know he's got four goals in in less than what in less than five full games. So he's he's scoring at a at a goal a game, a goal per ninety, or um, well slightly more than that, you know, per hundred minutes or something. Say, so it's pretty good, given that he's, he's he hasn't settled, you know. Um, so the more we play with him, and another wee thing just before you move on, like is is from what I've seen so far in the small sample size, him and Salah have a really good understanding when they're on the pitch together. And uh, obviously they, they weren't on the pitch at the same time last night. Um, but when they have played together, um, they, that link-up looks really, really promising. And if they're on the same level, then you, you know he's a clever player as well. So I, I think he's got it all. And um, yeah, being, being too... I, I can see you're sort of... He isn't polished. He isn't, he isn't, you know, doesn't have instant necessarily the instant control that you might like. His first touch is, is can be a bit, has been a bit wayward at times, and his hold up play has been been clunky, particularly away from home. At at Anfield, for me, he's performed better. He's looked more confident. Um, but anyway, I don't think we've anything to worry about. Not worry about. You, you can be frustrated. You can want it to work quicker or whatever. Fair enough. But I don't think we've anything to worry about. Yeah, and yeah, I just think as well, just throw it yeah, in quick. Okay. If, if if he scores at the weekend, if against Man City he scores, but regardless of the outcome of the game, that will take a massive weight off his shoulders because it's his first home goal in a huge game. I think if he can get on the pitch and score, that will help him massively. Yeah, yeah, Andy. Um, I'm not like frustrated or like annoyed, and anything. Like I say, I'm, I've just got concerns. Now, I've concerns about the player himself, but I don't know. Is there, is there maybe a conversation to be had about how that style of player has had a knock-on effect to the structure of the team, and how easily we have become the playthrough? Does him stretching that line? not allow us maybe to get the control required to get up the pitch a little bit quicker or sorry to like progress the ball up the pitch in a more controlled manner um does his inability sometimes to collect and hold the ball up leave us susceptible to that i suppose what i'm trying to ask is does his style of play the style of play that he is and his general you know lack of lack of sheen for want of a better expression, is an impact on the overall defensive capabilities of the team. I know I'm clutching his draws a little bit here, but I'm finding it difficult to get away from that assessment. I see where it's coming from. And I mentioned earlier that I don't think the whole defensive thing is just the defenders or just the defenders and the midfielders. I think it's a, it's an entire collective thing. And you you mentioned earlier that we've, we've no problem scoring the goals. Well, if you, if you take the seven and the nine out of it, you know, there's um there's four or five games this season where we've scored either zero or one goals, you know. Yeah, well, there's and... also two against Arsenal. There's, there's two against Arsenal. There's two against Fulham. There's three yeah. against Brighton, you know. Yeah, I'm just not sure it's. And we take I'm, two. We take two points from those three games. Those what seven goals garnered us two points. Well, I'm equally concerned um, about going forward. To be honest, as I am at the back, and I, I do think it's just a systemic thing. I know what you're saying about 
the hold up play quite isn't there. There's a ball coming back quicker to us. But to be honest, we didn't look any better when he was um when he was out for the three games. He was expensive, you know, and and we didn't look particularly much better against Brighton. So I do think it's a it's something deeper than that. Obviously, I've I've said in my last piece, I think it's to do with the legs and just being knackered. But you can have your theories on that. I, I this is the one thing I will say, and this is where I have perhaps been a little bit harsh, because as I say, Diaz and Jay, Jay reinforced it, Diaz is the only one who's really been dragging us and, and grabbing games by the scruff of the neck and, and actually producing um, and, and coming up trumps when the team's been playing badly. So this idea that you know Nunez should be should be the man to do that, I know he's an 85 million sign and we're all very excited about him, but as I say, Salah hasn't been doing it, Trent hasn't been doing it. Fabinho hasn't been doing it. Virgil hasn't been doing it. You know, these these players have all stank while the team has stunk as well. So, you know, that's where I'll give him some credit. And I'm with you as well. You know, I, I don't think he's I don't think he's shite. I'm not writing him off, but I do have some concerns and I struggle to see why people have been impressed with him so far. I get the argument that oh, he'll come good. There's there's enough signs that he will come good, but at most their signs right now, he hasn't. His performances have not been impressive by any stretch of the imagination. My issue mainly with him, and I was uh, I was row twelve of the cop for Rangers, um, and everyone around me was was saying, you know, he's shy, we've bought a dod, blah blah blah. And I thought he was really poor against Rangers at home when I when I was watching it. I went back on Twitter and everyone was lauding him and singing his praises and talking about his movement. And I think you see last night, I was actually I was actually thought last night was one of his better performances, to be honest, in terms of his movement and and his his, his buzzing about. And he clearly does have a, a little bit of power and pace in behind. I think when you're that low down in the ground and you maybe don't get as much of a tactical overview of it, you kind of just see especially when you're in the ground, you kind of just watch the ball as well. I follow the ball and then do a bit of the tactical analysis of time to watch the game after. But the ball has to be perfectly in his stride if he's to get any sort of a good finish away. If there's if there, if there's any sort of, if it's at the wrong height or it's not quite in his path, he looks incredibly clunky and incredibly awkward. And I think that's the same with his hold-up play. And, you know, that that's a bit of an issue for me because, you watch Firmino, and I think Firmino's had an amazing season, by the way. And again, whether this is one of the blind spots for me, because there are a couple of games where I th- I've thought he's played really well. Me and you obviously were sat together, Dave, for Brighton. Uh, I think we were saying we thought Firmino played really well, weren't we? Um, yeah, and I think if you even go back to the United game, I think he's probably our best player. And I, I think, think he is as well. But, but in both of those games, and the Newcastle game, where I thought he was good as well, you know, people have been saying he's been, he's been terrible, and it's 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 almost like a an inversion of the Firmino we're used to, and that he's actually scoring the goals now and not contributing in anything to general play. I completely disagree with that. I think I think he's almost, and I don't know whether it's the whole thing about the the wide players staying more wide sort of frees him a little bit more space, or it's whether it's a system, or if he's just regained his mojo. But I've been so impressed with him this season. I think so, so impressed. And I think, to be honest, at the moment, he's by by a distance our best striker. I think he's a distance ahead of Nunez in, in terms of performances he's putting in. And that's absolutely fine. As Chief says, he was bought him in a six-year contract. He's not been bought specifically for this year, but I think we have to we have to acknowledge the fact that, okay, yes, maybe Firmino isn't the most exciting player to have up front. We've seen him for eight years. We know what he can do. We know he's probably not going to get any better than what he is now, given what age he is. But fuck me, the, the performances and the, the the silkiness of him linking the play and, and his intelligence to find the spaces is a joy to watch. You know, it really is a joy to watch. And I, I can't see a world in which he can go with Nunez over for me, no. 
I understand that you know you can play them together. And a couple of times actually when I've seen Nunez on the on the left wing, I think he's I think he's actually looked quite good. Um, but he is incredibly awkward and he's incredibly raw. And to be honest, these guys are talking about the you know that you guys are all talking about that he's, he's you can see he's going to score goals. I mean, to account for the general hold up play and his general play. I'd expect him to be scoring about 40 goals a season, to be honest. And if he can be that, then we'll have a different conversation. But I suppose my final point on it, you know, we've been blessed with Salah, Firmino and Mane up front for years now. And they have been so, so good that the deficiencies in the midfield, and at times the midfield has been good, but it's probably always been our weak point under Klopp um, after he got Virgil in. The deficiencies in midfield have been masked by that. Now, if you're, I don't think anyone's going to argue that the midfield is now better than what it was three or four years ago. But if we're sacrifice, if we're going to end up sacrificing a Firmino, and then Nunez is going to come in and 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 not, you know, and and sort of stop doing things Firmino's doing, and 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 this and the other, then you know, I struggle to see, I struggle to have any confidence in it really. Um, and I know they've thought it through, and there's obviously the whole Julian Ward thing in our heads, and. You know, Edwards never signed a dud, but is this guy going to? I don't know. I really don't know. But as good as Salamani and Firmino were, you forget that even though we got the final in Kiev that year, we scraped fourth two years in a row. So, you know, <laughs> and then that front three is what kept us going. And any sort of risk to that or any player that I don't think is is quite up to the level of that is a massive risk to, to get in top four, to be honest, because as I say, I don't think the midfield's got any better. Yeah, well, that's fair. Players get older, and um, you know, certainly when they're <laughs> in their thirties, they tend to go only one way, and it's downhill. Just on for me, you know, before I come to you, Jay, just to chat quickly about City, I, I, I kind of feel like. Firmino's injury issues last season have done him a world of favours this season. He does not have those, you know, 40, 50, 60 games under his belt that everybody else went through last year. He was in and out with injury and essentially an injury issue doing rehab and stuff, but it's it's an enforced rest and he looks fresh. He looks lively. His goal against Arsenal was absolutely superb, you know, and he's full of confidence and probably feeling really confident in his own body and his own conditioning. So I, I think there's I think there's something in that. Um his his disrupted season last year has probably benefited him the start of this term. But Jay, on the city then, so I'm not gonna lie to you the way we've been shipping goals and the way that freak has been scoring goals. It's absolutely terrifying me at the minute. The thought of it is giving me the shits. So like, first of all, is there a shout that we're maybe this might have been a game? This might have been a game for Joe Gomez, even if Trent was available. Um, yes. Okay. Great. Well, there that's happened. That's out of the way. <laughs> and yeah, and you're gonna go the four. So like, like, and you're gonna go Kanate as well, I presume. Yes. Um, yeah, so so who are your two and who are your four? For the midfield and the, and the attack? Yeah. Uh, obviously, I'd bring Robbo back as well because <laughs> <laughs> Andy's mate needs a good sleep. Um, 
he just needs to stay off the weed just there cost us <laughs> I don't know what the fuck he does but he doesn't sleep <laughs> he's out playing fucking Fortnite all night or something uh, I don't know what he's doing I don't know if he's got a side he's not putting his hair on anyway <laughs> yeah I can recommend him a decent bar whatever your Liverpool player goes there um, yeah so, so I think the back four is the back four in terms of Robbo would naturally come back in and I would have had Gomez in for this game regardless of Trent's injury because I just think it's just a massive arrow in light saying attack this space in our team at the moment because of one reason or another however you want to label it we all know that's our vulnerability um, because it just has been all along it's it's the way we play um, and it's high risk high reward sort of thing but it's also high risk high damage and with Ibu there I do feel a lot more confident because he just naturally sweeps so I would have had Gomez in regardless but hence it the situation prevails it, it's going to be him anyway um, much to Andy's disgust it's going to be Thiago Fabinho in midfield and I would have Elias on the right hand side Jota on the left and Salah and Bobby up top do you want me to elaborate anymore? Or no, no, that's... Round the houses? No, no, that's that's plenty, Chief. As opposed to what... No, tell me what you would... Tell me what your team is. What's your team, Chief? Or is it, does it differ from that at all? Mm, I don't think it really does. I think it's pretty much bang on. Um, all right, then. Let me, ask you let me ask you a different question then. My, my team's the same as that as well, actually, believe it or not. Oh fucking hell! All right, okay. All right, then. Uh, but I, I would have I wouldn't have Elliot on the right. It wouldn't be four four two. It would it would be four three three. All right, I then. Think. So here's a bit. Here's a better question. What do you think the manager does? Well, I think, I think the only manager. question for him is whether he whether he starts. Um, well, there are two questions. There's the Henderson question, and he generally likes to. You know, that old adage, he likes to play either, or he always liked to play either Henderson or Milner, and it sort of seems to still be the case. Um, so that's, a, you know, something that we'll only find out, really, when we see the team sheet. And it'll be whether he starts Elliot or, or Nunes as the, as the fourth. And, uh, you know, I'd be... I don't know. I'm, I'm torn. I would... You know, I think you, you sort of, I'd be tempted to start him, basically. Um, but I can see the reasons for keeping him to, to bring off the bench. Um, he, he came on and caused absolute havoc for them in the in the Champions League. Uh, Champions League in the Community Shield. Um, at the start of the season, yeah, they were maybe a little bit behind us. But let's be honest, um, they looked more ready on, on day one of the season than we did. So maybe they weren't behind. Um and I can, you know, I like the idea of, of the thread in behind because City play high. They play higher than us. And um, they are incredibly vulnerable to the quick counter-attack. I mean, Newcastle hit them three times and, and should have won that game quite comfortably, really. I mean, they, they kind of capitulated. City came back. Same thing happened with Palace. And actually, Palace should have gone 3-0 as well and very controversially disallowed offside. 
goal on the VAR. Um, one of those hair's breadth millimetre offside calls, which aren't applied whenever you're playing Man United, for example. Um, Mr. Rashford. Um, but um, yeah. Or are allowed when you're playing Arsenal. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah, just not looked at. Just not looked at. Just, uh, you know, let's not bother with the lines this time, lads. Um, just for shits and giggles. But we um, we have the weapons to hit them on the counter attack, and Darwin Nunes is 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 one you can you can certainly use. Um, there isn't that much pace in attack other than, than Salah, and Nunes is rapid, um, and he that's his game, getting him behind and finishing. You know that those are you look at his goals from uh, last season. There there are a lot of them, and if you look at the goals he scored against us. That's exactly what it what he did. And he looks very, very competent in that situation. So I'd be tempted to start him. But then the question is, what firepower do you have on the bench if, if you start with Jota, Nunes, Bobby and um, and Salah? Um, so I don't know. I just, I would, I'd be tempted to start him. I can, but I can see the argument either way. And it would be Elliot for me that would come in if, if um, Nunes doesn't start. All right. Um, so those will be the questions. But I think we can we can beat them. When we play them, it's a different game. I think you can almost put the you know, forget what's happened what's gone before in the league and just when you play them, you're playing them. They they have their own um their own energy, these games and ultimately the though they are they have Holland. I mean they're they're the same team they were last year except they've added him. And we've made one or two changes as well. So, but we shouldn't be that far apart again. So let's see. They're never that good at Anfield. We usually are. So let's hope we've got some confidence from smashing Rangers. And if we do, there's no reason why we can't get a result. Yeah, Andy, I'm going to put the cat amongst the pigeons here a little bit. I can see a world where neither Elliot or Nunez start. And I can see a world where he goes uh, Thiago. Fabinho, Henderson, Jada, Bobby, Mo. Oh yeah, that's entirely plausible. Uh, I think Elliot or Henderson is a you know it's a fifty-fifty debate. You know Elliot hasn't started the last couple. He trusts Henderson in these games, and I think that shape that you're inferring there is the shape that you go for. Obviously, like putting arbitrary numbers and formations probably highly qualified coaches would laugh in the faces of us sitting talking about whether it's 4-4-2 or 4-2-4 yeah I agree with you but I think it's it's the it's the players that you're putting in there their natural persuasion is it is it to be cautious and defend or is it to think think forwards yeah yeah absolutely um but you know wherever LA plays LA's going to play in that hybrid between the right and the and the the center midfield slot Sal is going to play a hybrid between um right and center Jada's is going to be between left and center bobby's going to be sort of everywhere so yeah i th- I, th- I do i don't think he'll play nunez and i think i'm actually you know excited to have nunez off the bench because if it is going a bit pear-shaped for us and you can just throw this absolute lunatic on excuse me and uh and, and you can go from there my, my reason for and i would usually as as, as jay will testify would usually argue um tooth and nail for henderson to start a game like this i i think there's an issue in terms of technical ability with 
Fabinho and Henderson. And Henderson's never been the, the, the best technically. It's, it's what he offers. Aside from that, I think that gets him in the team. But Fabinho is, you know, I think you find this when you when you play Henderson in the sixth position, he moves it a lot quicker. Um, Fabinho can look quite awkward and moving it quickly um, at times. Obviously, he's a much better sort of um, defensive midfielder. He's much better number six, much better position and tackling, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So you know, swings and roundabouts as it always is for players in these positions. It's not that that one player is inherently better than the other or whatever. But I think if there's any question mark, you you, you it, it would be actually whether Fabinho or Henderson plays that number six. I wouldn't be averse to seeing a Henderson Thiago Elliott midfield, for example. But I think against Man City, the you know previous years. When we beat them three 0 in the Champions League, you could press the life out of them and they would panic. I think, to be honest, these days they're just too good for that. And um, they'll just pop it round you. They'll regain control, and they'll find a way to play. And against City, you know, these days you can end up having 15, 20 minutes where you're just camped inside your own half, and that's no exaggeration. And I think the quickest way to getting um to, to getting yourself in a, in a negative situation like that is having. Uh, a lot of sort of technically deficient seems harsh, but you know what I mean. Players in midfield, whereas Elliot, he's the type of player you can take a touch, can you know draw a foul, can can do a bit of magic and, and get you five ten yards up the pitch and progress the ball. And it's a risk, of course it is. Harvey Elliott could get bullied in this game. Harvey Elliott might not be ready for this game, but I think you have to throw a couple. Of, I, I don't think you can have any more than one player in that on those three in midfield that I think we're going to play who isn't technically brilliant and Thiago's technically brilliant, Elliot's technically brilliant and neither Fabinho nor Henderson are. So I think you have to go with one of them. Um, not both. Okay. Uh, I'll right. just chip in with this, Andy. And people may or may not agree. I wouldn't be averse to Fabinho for 60 Henderson. Probably actually Milner. What's for going on, Jay? A bit later. No, I'm going to win it. He was... He, was, he said he was only in the pub for an hour earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Fabinho starts. And then Henderson, I'd actually probably prefer Milner for this reason. Tactical fouls, they're going to play in such tight, quick positions. And I just don't think Henderson can understand how to tactically foul. And a prime example of that was last Sunday. Take Martinelli out on the halfway line. Take the yellow card. You stop the goal. And he didn't do it. And he's done it a few times this year. I don't know whether he's scared of getting injured or whether he's just a bit of a shit house and it's a big front that, like, you know, standing up to players like Diego Costa makes you look hard, but it isn't. Um, but Fabinho will take a tactical foul. He knows where and when to do the fouls against players like Kevin De Bruyne, probably Bernardo Silva at the weekend. You've got to know when to nip in and just take one for the team. And Jimmy Milner, just generally arrives late, so therefore it's a tactical foul for one reason or another. But we've got to break them, we've got to disturb them. I agree with the pressing part of the game, and therefore that's why Fabinho for me would always start, and Thiago as well knows when to put his foot in. Sometimes a bit too much, but we've got to break the play up as much as pressing them, because we've all seen this season with Man City, they just ping the ball around. Sometimes pressing will not work, you've just got to disrupt the play. Yeah, I feel against this city team, the way they're playing at the minute, almost pressing them could be the worst thing that you can do. Um, but yeah, all right, lads. Um, let's just quickly, um, two words each. GA score prediction. Three, two, one. 
three to us. Oh, Just. all mine. <laughs> you, are you the same, Chief? Yeah, I'm with Jay here, yep. All right, Andy? 1-0 Liverpool, Nunez off the bench. <laughs> and Andy shuts down Twitter. What's going on? Andy thinks Nunez is going to be the, the match winner. And we're yeah, going to get Miller and Henderson on the pitch. What <laughs> next? Not at the same time. <laughs> Don't be silly. How about a couple of rooms? Behave yourself. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thank God. All right. Um, yeah, Negative okay. Dave, come on. I don't think we'll win. <laughs> it's a shock. Uh, I don't. I just think Arsenal we're just. Win. If I didn't uh, know you better, I'd think you were a blue nose. Do you know what? I don't think I've ever <laughs> predicted a Liverpool defeat, honestly. But I just, I just don't we're see. At home, don't forget. I know. In that. this season of absolute mess, it would just be typical for us to turn up and do something at the weekend. Yeah, do you know what? You could well be right. I just don't see a world in which we can see three at home to Brighton in our last league game and these guys don't score, you know, at least two or three goals. I think that's definitely scored. That's why I'm surprised that Andy's 1-0. I think we're just going to absolutely dog it without Trent in the team. You know, whether Robertson can play or not, I think he might just, he might just abandon all footballing principles and Ego will take over and any way to get through Guardiola. And it'll just become a you know, Nunez on the break. I don't know. I've got a picture of it in the cup. I would love that. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, I'm going to say we'll lose 3 1. Edit that bit out, Sandy. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. I just really piss do. on everyone's parade. Like. Oh, yeah. Listen, I'm just like. I know, I know. And do you know what? I would be surprised if any of you were saying anything different had we, like, scraped, like, a 2-1 against Rangers after going one day. Remember, it was one each at half time at Ibrox, do you know? So maybe do we only get one goal and we go 2-1 and they maybe have, you know, they put a pressure on the last minute. I think we're all thinking very differently about this. So Yeah, but... Of course, but that's life. It didn't go that way. We absolutely yeah, battled I know. them, so... I know, I know. Anyway, all right then. Let's hope. Let's hope I know, no, no, nothing as per usual except about Arsenal. Um, that's it. Say, that's it. I don't know anything about football except that Arsenal one day were going to be half decent. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, lads, thanks for joining me. Uh, listener, thanks for listening. Um, until next time. Up the Dave hates the Reds. Reds. <laughs> <laughs>